Well, good morning, Westbridge Church. Good morning, and good morning to everybody who's watching online. So grateful to be gathered in church with all of you this morning. Um, I'm really honored that I get to be one of your summer voices. And you might, if you have been part of Westbridge for any length of time, you might recognize my last name. Um, So I'm going to connect some dots for you, okay? I'm going to do it by putting a picture up on the screen. This is a picture of my family, okay? This is my husband, Ryan. He's a pastor. Uh, He's the lead pastor at Hosanna Church in Lakeville. So we speak and work together there. But you might recognize the guy over here if you've been around this church for a while. And these two are brothers. That's John Alexander, who's actually going to be speaking here next weekend, I found out. So you're going to get to know another Alexander next weekend. And I think it was Mother's Day that his wife, Emily, preached here. So you're getting to know the Alexander family and you're playing a game as a church that you didn't even know you were playing. And that is at the end of the summer, you get to vote for who is your favorite Alexander. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun vote. No, you're not going to do that. We are all so grateful that we get to step in and be part of your church's story. Um, I was getting to just chat with Pastor Jeremiah this morning and hearing a little bit about how this church began in a living room and, and spent time in high schools and community centers. And now you've been in this building for a number of years. And um, I just love hearing about the story of a church and I love stepping into it on a Sunday morning. And Jeremiah told me that I can speak on whatever I want on whatever I want, which is really dangerous to say to a speaker. But I think that it's actually a really neat strategy to bring in uh, voices and allow us to talk about things that are are deep in our hearts, that are authentic to our voices. And, And our topic for today really is that for me. I titled this message, I don't always do that, but it was helpful for me. I titled this message, Timely Wisdom. Timely Wisdom. And we are going to be spending time this morning in Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So if you have a Bible with you and you are in the practice in church of opening it up and being in the passage that we're in, I would love for you to have your Bible open. Um, It's in the Old Testament. If you need to find it, it's right after Psalms and Proverbs. And Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom in the Bible. It is credited to King Solomon. And King Solomon lived and and reigned in about the 900s BC. So this is a thousand years before Jesus. He was the son of King David, the most famous king, King David. This was his son, Solomon. And he got to rule in Israel during a time of relative peace, during a time of relative prosperity. He actually got to build the first temple we read about in the Old Testament. So he's known for these things. But what he was really known for was his wisdom. In fact, he's the one who, when, we, when he became king and God asked him, what is one thing that you want, Solomon? He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for a palace. He didn't ask for anything but wisdom. He knew that's, that that is what he would need the most. Now, if you know anything about King Solomon, he's like every other man, every other human who does not always live by their own wisdom. He didn't always live by his wisdom. But the book of Ecclesiastes is believed to have been written late in his life, later in his life, when he is an older man having the opportunity to look back on his life and reflect on it. And when you read Ecclesiastes, you see some themes. One of them you may, you may or may not know, the famous line that there is nothing new under the sun. There truly is nothing new under the sun. That is on the lips or the pen of King Solomon. He's just noticed things repeat themselves. There's truly nothing new. He also develops, as he looks back on his life, um, a a reflection of saying that much of what he and the people around him have spent their time doing has been chasing after meaningless things. 
He actually uses the metaphor chasing after the wind. I wonder if even in this moment, you recognize there's some, there's some winds that you have been chasing in your life. So there's a lot of wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes, but perhaps the most beautiful passage in all of Ecclesiastes is Ecclesiastes chapter three. It is a famous passage. There's a, a song from the 70s, I think, that was written from this song, so you might know that song. Um, it's also a passage that is, is often read at funerals. And so if you've heard it in that context, I would love for you to, to detach it from that context so that you can live into it and allow the Lord to use it um, in your life this morning. We're actually just going to read this passage, but first here is the thought. Here's the thought. In this passage, what, what Solomon does is develop the thought that there is wisdom in knowing what time it is. There is wisdom in knowing what time it is. Um, you and I are used to knowing what time it is all the time. Right now there's a clock smack in front of my face. You have one in your pocket at all times on your device. Many of us have Apple watches. They're buzzing constantly. They're giving us reminders of our calendar, all these things. We always know what time it is. But it hasn't always been that way. We haven't always had devices on us all the time. And when I was a kid, I used to get sort of disoriented around time sometimes. Um, especially, I was really one of those kids that was very nervous about middle school. I don't know if you're a parent who has a child who's nervous about middle school, but I was. It was just all in a tizzy about it. And I was really nervous about being late to middle school. So I remember, um, a, I have a particular memory of an evening where I went to bed <clears throat> and then I woke up I hopped out of bed, I went in and, and took my shower and dried my hair, and then I began the long process of curling my bangs. Any women from the 90s, any girls from the 90s, remember how laborious it was to, to curl our flytrap bangs, right? So I'm in the process of that, I'm curling my bangs, and I noticed that I can hear my parents talking, which is odd because they're not usually up this early. So I thought, well, I wonder why they're up. So I walked out into our living room, and there they were sitting on a couch, seemingly wearing the same clothes that they were wearing yesterday. So I said, Dad, what time is it? And he said, it's 10.15 p.m. Why are you up this late, you know, drying your hair, curling your hair? And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought it was morning. So I <laughs> backed right up and went back and got into bed. Not knowing what time it is can have us caught curling our bangs at 10.15 p.m. That's the lesson, there's the mic drop, okay? No, actually, but in life, this is, this is true. It's important to know what time it is on the clock, but really, it's most important to know what time it is in your life. And King Solomon knew that, and he wrote about it in Ecclesiastes chapter three. And so I'm gonna begin by just reading this passage. It's wonderful to hear scripture just read aloud. And it's a little bit longer of a passage. I'm gonna warn you about that so that you uh, engage your mind and engage your heart, because what I know will happen is that God is going to use a phrase. He's going to use a word. He's gonna use a metaphor or a word pairing that's gonna jump out to you to give you a sense of what time it is in your life. So listen for it, look for it as we read this passage together. Ecclesiastes chapter three. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, 
a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Let's just pray as we head into leaning into this passage. Lord, we are really grateful for your word that is always right on time in our lives. And we do pray this morning, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you flood our hearts with the peace and the wisdom that we need for the moment that we are in? Lord, we pray that you would use this passage, that we would be able to draw near to you and that you would draw near to us. That, Lord, we would leave here today feeling closer to you, more seen by you, more loved by you because of our time in your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There is wisdom in knowing what time it is. But the reality is that our lives have several arenas where we need to keep track of time. We might say it this way, and if you're taking notes, feel free to fill in these, these blanks if you want to. Our lives occupy multiple time zones. Our lives simply do. They occupy multiple time zones. This is true for my life. It's true for your life. It's true for King Solomon. Uh, we have the time zone we're going to talk about of our personal lives. We have the time zone of, of our family life. We have the time zone of what's going on at work, the, the organization that we work for, the, the, um, the organization that we are in has a time zone. And then there is a time zone for the cultural moment that we're in, for what's happening in the society and the world around us. And so we're gonna talk about each one of these and just overlay some wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter three. So let's begin by talking about our personal lives. In our personal lives, there is wisdom in knowing what time it is. Um, it's, you know, in our personal lives, there are events that mark time. Certainly, there are events that mark time. Uh, my husband Ryan and I recently were invited to an eighth grade graduation, which felt a little bit much. Just felt a little much. I'm sorry if you had one. But, you know, we, we graduate. We graduate from high school. We graduate from college. Um, we get married. Of course, that's a huge event and time marker. Maybe we've got some engaged couples in here, or people who got married in the last year. Solomon speaks of a time to be born. We certainly mark the times, especially by when our children and our grandchildren are born. And, and similarly, there's a time to die, and we mark time by the people in our lives and, and when they've passed. If you lost a parent or a grandparent or someone that you love, I bet you remember what time it was. I bet you remember when that, when that was, even what year and month it was. Um, so we, we mark our lives with events, but we also, our lives move, as Solomon would say, in predictable seasons. He says, for everything there is a season. And it can be really helpful to consider the season that we're in. Um, as I look into the room, and I'm sure those watching online, you know, people who are about, zero, you know, age zero to 20 or 25, you're living in the spring season of your life. It's springtime in your life. Spring is the time to grow. Spring is the time to become. It's the time to, to figure out what, what unique flower or tree you were meant to be. And spring is the season where you're intended to be nourished by the sun and by the rain. And I hope that if you're in that season, you have a sense of, of being nourished even by the spirit of God as you grow. 
But after spring, we get to move into the summer season, and that, you know, maybe is 20 to 40 or 25 to 45, right in there. And that is the busy season. Those of you who are living it right now, it is a really demanding, really busy season. It's when we are establishing ourselves in our professional lives, you know, our careers and figuring out where we're going to work and maybe we change jobs a few times and we're climbing the ladder and all that business, all while we are finding our life partner oftentimes when we're going through the wedding and, and, and then we have the birth of each of our children and every one of our children is so different and it's like starting over all over again. It's just an incredibly busy season. It's the season where we usually run into our limits, which can be tough. It's the season where we often run into disappointment in ourselves and the people around us. And so even though that season is the most full of life, summer statistically is the season when people are least happy because it's just so demanding. And if you're in that season right now, you're like, amen, amen, amen. And then we get to move into fall, you know, 40 to 60 or 45 to 65. And and some of you are in that season right now. That's a rich season because you have enough wisdom and enough skill to step into leadership in, in, in situations with more ease because you belong there, you've, you've earned it. And oftentimes our children are in a less demanding season, sometimes they're even moving on in their lives, and so we get to experience the fall. And then if we're lucky, if we're lucky and our bodies hold out, then we get to experience the winter season, maybe 65, 70 plus, right? where we aren't working so hard, we get to enjoy the fruits of our labor, we have then earned the titles of mentor and elder. Oh, to earn the title of elder. And we get to now pour into the lives of others. So our lives move in these predictable seasons. Solomon says, for everything there is a season and there's wisdom in knowing what season I am in so that I don't want to go backwards. I don't long to go backwards because I got to live that season, but I also don't want to rush forwards because I need to live the season that I am in right now. There's wisdom in that. But just as our lives move in season, Solomon also acknowledges that there, there are times for particular moods or approaches in life. Some of the ones that, that he talks about, he says there's a time to cry and there's a time to laugh. Another pairing he puts together similarly is a time to grieve and a time to dance. And we know that there are people in this room and watching who are in a season of grieving right now. There's a time for it and you've gotta take the time to do it. But there's also a time to laugh and there's a time to dance. And if you are in a dancing season right now, then by all means, dance. By all means, dance. He says that there is a time to search and a time to quit searching. And if that is the word for you, I think that you know it today. There is a time to search, but there's also a time to quit searching. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. There is a time to throw away. If you need to nudge your spouse right now, go ahead, go ahead. There's a time to throw away. If you've moved anytime recently and just experienced the freedom of getting rid of stuff, there's a time for that, but there's also a time to keep and, and, and to acquire things and be grateful for them. But this is a word, this final one in, in, in terms of our personal lives is one that I just know that some of you need to hear. Solomon says it, that there is a time to heal. There is a time to heal. Some of you may be going through physical things Uh, maybe cancer treatment, or maybe you had a surgery and you need time to heal. One of our neighbors is about to have a knee, his whole knee reconstructed. And the doctors are telling him, it's gonna take a while. You need to plan the time to heal. 
So we need to do that in our physical bodies. But as a pastor, I think in this moment, I'm just incredibly struck by the toll that particularly the last two to three years have taken on all of us. And so many people in my life are dealing with crippling anxiety that maybe they haven't dealt with ever at this level. Anxiety and depression is really hitting people. And and as I read Solomon's words, I know that these people need to take the time to heal. There's a time to heal. In our personal lives, knowing what time it is, ideally allows us to, to live fully and faithfully in the season that we're in. Knowing what time it is in my personal life allows me to live fully and faithfully in the season that I am in. Not wishing to be in another season, but savoring the one I'm in. So our personal lives have seasons. Our family lives also have seasons. As I look out over this crowd, I can tell the people who are in the season where you have babies that are up all night because you have bags under your eyes. You are changing diapers. You are dealing with all the crying and the fussing and and that can be a really relentless, um, vigilant season. I remember it well. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. But then your family season changes as so many people around you can attest to. Our family loves to go, um, go up to the Duluth area, loves to go up to the North Shore. My husband and I are actually originally from Washington, so is John, who's here next week. We're all from Washington State, and so when we go up north, we kind of feel like we're back home because there's actually some elevation and, you know, evergreen trees and things that we miss. So we go up there to, to hike, and last summer, we got to take our three boys. So we have three boys, um, Cy, who was 15, Pax, who was 11, and then Zachary, who was seven at the time last summer. And then my parents also came, and they are in their early 70s, so they're out from Washington. They flew in, and we all went up to Duluth together, and we got to go hiking up in that beautiful area. And when we would be hiking, our three boys were always out ahead of us, you know? My husband and I always say, boys belong outside. They just belong outside. They do better out there. And so they're running ahead of us, and they're exploring all the trails, and, you know, taking many more steps than all of us are as they're exploring. And Ryan and I are in the middle, and then behind us are my parents, who are both actually quite healthy for their age, but they just have to move slower. And so I was aware of that the whole trip, that we were kind of this sandwich generation in between. But there was a moment when we were at Tedaguch Park. If you haven't been there, you must go. Where I captured this picture, and as I took this picture, I had tears in my eyes. Because you can't see our third son, but well, maybe you can. Yeah, yes, you can. Ryan's on the left, and then our three sons in the middle, and then my dad. And as I looked at this moment in real time, I felt like the Holy Spirit was whispering to me through those aspen trees, know what time it is. Know what time it is. Because in the blink of an eye, my dad there in the gray hat is going to be too old and too frail to go hiking and my three boys aren't gonna want anything to do with me. They're gonna be off doing their own thing with their own wife and their own kids and having their own adventures as they should. And so in that moment, I just felt profoundly like I needed to know what time it was. Because in a blink, in a blink, our family life is gonna shift and we're gonna have to say goodbye to generations on both sides. It's important to know what time it is in our family life. And, and Solomon talked actually about, you know, metaphors that I feel like apply to our family lives. He said, there's a time to gather stones and there's a time to scatter them. There's a time to gather and a time to scatter. He says, there's a time to embrace 
and there's a time to turn away or a time to cease embracing. I think especially of the parents who will be saying goodbye to your college kids again, or maybe for the first time this fall, and that you get to hug them, you get to embrace them, and then you have to turn away and let them live their new life at college. There are these moments, but knowing what time it is is so important. And knowing what time it is in our, in our family lives, I, it, it, at best case, allows us to savor it. It allows us to savor and enjoy the present. Knowing what time it is in our family life just allows us to savor and enjoy even the demanding times, even the sad times, and especially the dancing times and the celebrating times that we would savor and enjoy them. Solomon knew this. He wrote about it in Ecclesiastes chapter three. This is what he said. He said, so I have concluded that there is nothing better. There is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. People should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from God. It's what I've learned as an old man is you better enjoy it while it's there. So I think if Solomon were before us today, he would say, enjoy every second of your family vacation. Savor the taste of every s'more this summer. Know the time that you are in. It's also important to know what season we are in in our work lives. Solomon actually talked a lot about work because for him and for you, for all of us, work occupies a tremendous amount of our time. For many of us, it's 80% of our time we spend at work. And Solomon had clearly worked very hard. I mean, he was a king, so he had led Anybody in this room who's a leader, you know, you know the cost of leading. You know the weight of leading. Solomon knew that weight. He also was a builder. He had overseen big projects. And so Solomon knew what it was to work hard. But as an older man, as he looks back, when you read Ecclesiastes, you basically read wisdom that we hear, but that he saw, he basically just says over and over, I've learned that you don't get to take it with you. You pour all your energy into this. You pour all your time into this. And at the end of the day, you don't get to take it with you. And he also says in so many words in Ecclesiastes, and what usually happens is the people at the company don't even remember you. I mean, that's how it is. That's how it is. In some ways, that's a depressing thought, but if we'll really live with it and we'll take it in as wisdom, it will ground us in our work lives. The way that that Solomon, the wisdom that he gained, he says in, in verse 22, he says, so what I saw or what I've seen is that there is nothing better for, than for people to be happy in their work. You might as well be happy in your work because it's our lot in life. It's where you're gonna spend 80% of your time, so you might as well be happy in it. And sometimes that means, man, I'm not happy in my work. Maybe I need to change my work. And that, that could be a word for some of you. But sometimes it's also just a perspective shift. It's a decision to enjoy my work, whatever it is that I'm doing. Some of us do things that we love. Some of us do things that we find to be mundane or repetitive. Um, For many of us, work is very, very stressful. But for Solomon, he says, looking back, man, enjoy it. Enjoy your work. And one of the ways that perhaps it helps us to enjoy our work more is to ask the question, what time is it in my work life? Or even particularly, what time is it in the organization that I'm working for? You know, we bring in consultants and we pay them extraordinary amounts of money to come into our organizations and do what basically Solomon talks about, to identify, is this a time to plant or is it the time for harvest? Know what time it is. Because if it's the planting time, you're going to be really discouraged that you're not harvesting. But if you know what time it is, 
then you can see that more objectively. Is it a time to tear down or is it a time to build up? In every organization, in every system, there's a time to tear down and there's a time to build up. It's especially important for leaders to know what time it is in the organization. That's like a majority of our job as leaders in an organization is to, is to know what time it is, to prayerfully ask that question. Um, just in our personal lives, for Ryan and myself, when he, um, we were living out in Washington State about 12 years ago when he got the phone call asking him if he would consider, if we would consider moving across the country to Minnesota for him to be uh, groomed to become the next lead pastor of this big church in Lakeville, Minnesota. And that's its whole own story about how we ended up um, just following the Holy Spirit in that and knowing that that is what time it was in our life to move to Minnesota, as crazy as it was, and I had to buy a parka and the whole thing. But here we are. And he spent a few years, a number of years, um, you know, getting trained in by the founding pastor. So his name was Bill, and he had started the church when the community was a cornfield. They started it in his basement, and it grew and it grew and it grew. And by the time we came to visit and wonder if this is what our new home was, this church was several thousand people strong. And, it, you know, church transitions don't always go well. If you've been in churches, other churches than this one, you maybe have gone through the pain of a church leadership transition. And so there was a whole team uh, that really wanted to see it go well. And, and really, we sought a team of elders, people who'd been there, people who'd been through this in businesses and in churches. And some of the most sage advice that Ryan and I received is the congregation will need time to mourn. There will need to be a time to mourn. And the very best thing that you can do as the new leaders is not take it personally. It's not personal. You just need to know what time it is in this organization. This congregation loves this man. He's retiring. They need time to mourn. It's not personal. And that was so helpful. And now we're in a season where it's time to dance. It's time to build up. And we're having a blast. But we had to go through the time to mourn. So it's important to know in our work life what time it is. So hopefully what this allows us to do is to relax a little bit Relax a little bit and not take things so personally. You are a cog in the wheel. You are one person in time in this organization. All you can do is do your part faithfully and well in the moment that you are in. And then lastly, it's important for all of us to know what time it is in the cultural moment that we are inside of. Um, this might seem like a simple thought, but it's actually just really helpful to recognize <laughs> that the moment you were born and the place that you were born, you cannot control. You have no control over that. We are all born into a moment and a place in time and history that we have no control over. And what is happening in the world around us, what time it is in the world around us, can have a big impact on our personal lives as we all just learned by surviving a worldwide pandemic. What time it was around us had a huge impact on our personal lives in ways that we could do nothing about, and this happens. Um, one of my favorite things to study is cultural anthropology. I love to read cultural anthropologists who would say, do say, that just like individuals move through seasons in their lives, just like organizations move through seasons in their lives, so do societies. Let this thought just lean on your mind for a second. Societies move through cultural seasons because each generation is always reacting to the generation before it. Sometimes pushing against, often pushing against the generation before it. That's why how you as a parent 
parent is bothersome to your parents because it's different. Grandparents and grandparents want to parent the children differently. That's very, very common. It's as old as time because one generation is always reacting to the next in parenting styles, in uh, political approaches, in priorities. And cultural anthropologists would say that right now, and this is helpful for me to know, that right now we are living through a cultural winter. It's just where we are in the cycle of time. Cultural winters usually happen about every 80 to 100 years. And listen to what they're marked by, okay? I wrote these things down. A cultural winter is marked by and happens every 80 to 100 years. So it's happened, it happened 100 years ago. It's happening now. They're marked by deep division, vicious tribalism, and distrust of institutions. Three markers that you're inside of a cultural winter. And knowing that does not necessarily make it easier, but it does help me just to, to see it more clearly. And that's helpful for me, to see it more clearly. When um, a congregant, you know, somebody in my church, um, especially over the last couple of years, wanted to talk very vehemently about things or send an email that was really upset. You know, I'm sure none of you ever do that to your Pastor Jeremiah. You don't do that. But let's just say you did. He might be able to receive it and see it more as a symptom of the season. Instead of taking it so personally, yep, the season that we're in right now as a culture is a deeply divided, vicious tribalism. That's just what's going on. It's not personal. It's not personal. It helps me when I, when I feel the tension in my family right now, when I feel the tension between my neighbors as friend groups are shifting. Like, Okay, you know, in Isaiah 40, it talks about being an eagle that just rises above it all. And if we can consider what cultural moment that we are in, we can do that. We can rise above it, get more curious about it, and have it not affect us so much. We're just experiencing the symptoms of the cultural moment that we are in. And what we know as hardy Minnesotans is there's a season that always follows winter. What's the season that follows winter every year? Summer. Actually, in Minnesota, it's summer. But it should be spring. <laughs> should be spring. It was the right answer. Spring. Spring always, always comes. And as cultural anthropologists talk about spring, they say, oh, that's a beautiful season to live through. Spring is a season of unity. Spring is a season of, of more lightness. And it will feel very, very different. But we have to go through winter first. But on the other side of winter will be spring. And we will get there. So knowing what time it is allows me in the culture to feel more hopeful, to feel hopeful instead of discouraged. Knowing what time it is in cultural moments can allow us to fear less and trust God more. Fear less, trust God more. And really that's a statement that you could say over every season or every uh, time zone that we've talked about this morning, to fear less and trust God more in my personal life, to fear, God, to fear less and trust God more in my family life to fear less and trust God more in my work life, and to fear less and trust God more in this cultural moment, to remember that we are worshipers of God, who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of time. This is actually our, our final verse out of Ecclesiastes, is, is Solomon reflecting on this. After he lists all those times, all of those times, he sums it up and he says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. 
He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So Solomon, the end of his life, he's looking back. He says, you know what I've noticed? I've noticed that, that we have eternal time planted inside of us. Somehow we live in the moment that we're in, but we all have a sense that time is longer, that time is bigger, that this moment is part of eternal time that's planted in every human heart. But we don't get to see the whole scope of it. We can't see the whole picture. We can't see how this moment relates to the whole thing, but God can. But God can, and he's making everything beautiful in his own time. And Solomon, who lived a thousand years before Jesus, could not have imagined how God would do it, how God would make everything beautiful by sending his son, Jesus, to come live on the earth. And when Jesus lived, he had a keen sense of time. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus always knew what time it was. He knew when it was time to be with the crowds, to be in front of people, to invest in his disciples, but he also knew when it was time to retreat, when it was time to get away, when it was time to just spend time with God in solitude. We see that Jesus knew when it was time to confront things, to confront people, but we also see Jesus knowing when it was time to heal. A time to stay in this city, and then he would often say, okay, and now it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go to the next city. And people, when Jesus was alive, when we read it in the Gospels, people wanted him to get on board with their time zone. They would say to Jesus, you know, Jesus, it's time. It's time for you to become king. It's time for you to do it. Take power, take kingship, do it. And so often he said, no, my time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But when it was time for Jesus to go to return to the Father, he said very clearly, now my time has come. My time has come to return the Father. My time has come to do what I came here to do, which is to die for the sins of humanity, for those who would put their faith in him. And he had to go through excruciating winter to get there. You know about the death of Jesus. You know, he was betrayed by every person in his life. All of his best friends betrayed him. And he went through an excruciating death, unjustly accused. He went through a horrible winter so that you and you and you and you and I could live with the promise of eternal spring. So in just a moment, we're gonna to close together in prayer and I, and I would just ask any of you who have never put your trust, put your faith in Jesus, what he has done for you to make all things beautiful in your life, that you would do that today, that you would put your trust in him. But for all of us, it's been 20 minutes, 25 minutes to think about what time is it in my life, Lord? What time is it in my life? Maybe something resonated with you personally, maybe in the work life, maybe the family life, or maybe it's helpful to think about where we are culturally. What time is it in my life, Lord? I believe that God has a phrase for you out of Ecclesiastes 3. And I think it would be beautiful for you to spend time talking about it together. Talk about it on your ride home. Talk about it with your spouse. Talk about it with your roommates and your friends. Talk about it in your small group. There are questions in your program you can use to do that. But I wanna leave you this morning with this promise. Solomon. This is the promise of Solomon over your personal life, 
over your family life, over your work life, and over the moment that we are in, God promises to make all things beautiful in his time. Let's trust him for it and let's look for it. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you for this time together this morning. Time in church. Time on a Sunday morning in July. To wonder with you, what time is it in my life? Holy Spirit, we do pray that you would take words out of Ecclesiastes and cause them to come forward and to live deeply into our hearts. Lord, that we would be able to settle in, fully embrace, live faithfully, savor, and be, be leaders in the time that we are in. Lord, we trust you with our time and with our lives. And for anybody in this room who has never entrusted their life to you, we do so now. God, we place our time, our days, our lives in front of you. We ask you that you would take our lives, Lord, and use them for your glory and your good, that you would use our lives to love the people around us and draw people towards you. But thank you today for this time. And we pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Really a joy to be with you this morning, Westbridge Church.